Good morning and welcome to the Automation Morning Show for Thursday, February 8th, 2024. My name is Sean Tierney and this is the show where I talk about what's new and happening in industrial automation. Guys, uh, this is uh, take two. <laughs> I didn't like what the way things were going in take one. I am trying out a new microphone here and I think that uh, the volume may be a little low. So, But I just checked and you may have to turn your speakers up a little bit. In any case, better that it's too low than it's overdriving. Um, we'll see after the show, but I want to go ahead and get started because we're kind of running late this morning. In any case, uh, you can see here up on the screen that, uh, you know, just a reminder, every link that we cover in today's show, you will find after the show over at automate.news. No www, no .com. We tag them by both the type of article, like a press release or a video or a software firmware upgrade, as well as the vendor. I know you don't see the vendor here, but you'll see in this category that they have the vendors there as well. Plus we try to put helpful tags in. So if it's, you know, something to do with like an industrial computer, we'll tag it with IPC and uh, so on. So check that out, automate.news. When you click on any of these links, it goes right to the news article. So with that, let's go ahead and get started by thanking this morning's sponsors, Siemens uh, sponsored this uh, uh, episode. So it would be ad free on all platforms. So we wanna thank them for that. And uh, our first news story today, is about the, and I tried to find a flashier version of this, but I, this is all I got. So in any case, um, this is the sales and delivery release uh, announcement for the Cymatic Process Function Library, version 3.0 SP1. I um, I tried to do some research early this morning on uh, if, you know, trying to figure out, is this like Plant PAX? But um, I'll have to leave it to you guys to let me know because I've never used this but it kind of looks like it's giving you a bunch of instructions and a bunch of faceplates for uh, WinCC Unified. It seems very cool. But if anybody's used this out there, please uh, inform me of what I'm looking at here um, because um, there just wasn't time this morning to uh, to actually download it and stop playing with it. Uh, with that, we go over to Schneider Electric, and I thought this was very interesting. They collaborated with um, both uh, Intel and Red Hat to... Um, come up with what they're calling a distributed control node. So basically, they have this piece of hardware that has a software PLC on it and um, doing control. And so uh, this is programmed with EcoStructure Automation Expert. We've had, um, we had um, I think it was Lewis Arone on to talk about that last year or maybe a year and a half ago, two years ago. But in any case, very interesting. Um, there's also a link to a video here which kind of explained the concept. I thought that was very interesting as well. From there, we go over to um, Opto22. Their forum just reached 10,000 active members. So congratulations to Opto on that. And, um, you know, if you're using Opto22, you may want to check out their forums. From there, we go over to Umron. And, you know, we talked about, I think it was on Tuesday, we talked about their all-in-one automation architecture, right? Well, today they have a new article talking about how to create robust artificial intelligence with their all-in-one uh, automation architecture. And I thought it was a pretty interesting article because you typically don't see people saying, hey, use our automation architecture for AI. So um, very interesting there. From there, we go over to Banner. They got a couple of uh, new products they're highlighting here. They got the DXM1200B2 wireless controller. They call this a programmable industrial controller which, um, you know, apparently this can connect up to um, a bunch of their wireless devices, and then uh, you can massage the data before you send it upstream to something else. 
It also uh, can be integrated with their own cloud data services. So if you're just doing like condition monitoring or data collection, you didn't need to do any, you know, like, uh, you know, IEC 611.31-3 slash, you know, uh, control, then this would be an option for you as well. Now, they also have another unit out here that they're talking about today, and this is their um, conditioning monitoring gateway. So this unit can talk up to over 200 devices wirelessly. It's IP67 rated like the last unit. This is a DMX, I'm sorry, DXM1200X2, where the last guy was the B2, okay? And um, so it connects up to 200 devices wirelessly, and it can connect to non-banner devices as well as banner devices. So uh, in any case, very interesting product there. We go over to Turek. They have a new product out. This is a both a um, temperature and humidity uh, sensor, right? So it's two-in-one. It has IO link. It's called their CMTH sensor. And it's designed for a smart condition monitoring. Um, it is IP67 rated. And if you're listening, it looks like an inductive prox, except the very end has holes in it where I guess the, the, the um, temperature and humidity can be sensed. But in any case, interesting new product there. Again, I did say it has um, IO link. It also, I believe, has some uh, outputs, and it works with their cloud-based functionality. It even uh, can do SMS through their cloud software, so uh, send text messages. Um, from there, we go over to SMC, and they have a new analog auto switch and display sensor monitor. So if you're watching, you can see the little analog auto switch here on the screen, and then you can see the display for it as well. So in any case, if this is the, uh, for those listening, this is the D-MH1 series. With that, we go over to PNF, and they have uh, launching a new product here. It's their BTC22 Industrial Thin Client. So very interesting here. It's based on Windows uh, 10 IIoT, but they use uh, they pre-install the Visu V I S U Visu Net uh, RM Shell 6 firmware. So V I S U N E T R M Shell 6 firmware. And so if you're looking for an industrial uh, thin client, right? Maybe you're connected up to who knows? Maybe you're doing a thin manager or remote desktop uh, or something else. Um, you could utilize this, and, and, and this particular model supports 0 to 55C, um, and I believe it is IP4X rated. And, um, you know, they are going to have an extreme temperature version that does minus 20 to plus 60C, but for now, this uh, first model is 0 to 55C. So in any case, uh, it does have two display port interfaces, supports two 4K uh, monitors at 60 hertz, and it also has dedicated Ethernet ports, gigabit Ethernet ports, I should say, as well as USB-C. And you can even get it up to uh, 16 gigabits of DDR4 RAM. So um, I don't know if a thin client would need so much RAM. That's interesting. But in any case, let's go on to the next uh, new story here. And this is from SICK. This is their ELS ELM35 motor feedback system. This is a rugged motor feedback system. Um, to integrate into drive solutions. And um, this particular one has a 24-bit single-turn resolution. Okay, so think encoder, right? And because it has a mechanical 12-bit multi-turn drive, it does not need a battery. Okay, so it'll remember where it is. And um, 
the interface on this I thought was a little interesting. It's actually a BISSC or a BISC interface, right? So that's the cable that plugs into it. The video does a great job of going through it and showing all the features and functions as well. But that's a new product from SICK. From there, we go over to uh, Danfoss. I haven't seen anything new from Danfoss in quite a while, but uh, they announced their new IC2 microdrive. And uh, this is designed for uh, building management systems, right? So it's supposed to be effective and efficient uh, and, you know, really designed for pumps and fans. And um, so if you're looking for a new microdrive, check these out. And then we go over to Luz, uh, L-E-U-Z-E. -E. I don't know if I'm saying that right, Luz or Luz. Um, and uh, they just announced some new sensors. These are new laser distance diffuse sensors with TOF technology, time of flight technology. So very interesting um, that it's diffuse laser distance sensor, right? And uh, this is the ODT3CL1-2M sensor. And uh, this can do, let's see, it has IO link and it has background suppression. And let's see what the range is here. I'm just looking for the range. It says very long ranges, but I'm looking for the ranges. They say some um, applications you can use it on are like shuttles, uh, AGVs and so on. Um, I'm not seeing the range here. So two-in-one sensor detection and output of measurement values using just one sensor. Saves times and money. All right, let's see. Uh, high operating range up to two meters. So you can um, get an idea of how that, uh, the distance there. So it's not a super long range, long range sensor. It is um, IP69K rated too. So that's important. And of course it does have... Um, I will link as well. So, oh wait, did I have some more? It, all, it looks like you can also get the temperature from it as well. So um, that's built in. That comes through the IO link. So with that, let's go over to uh, a new product from Antera. They have uh, just uh, revved their industrial Ethernet extender to version two. So if you're if you're um, you have a long Ethernet run and you need to extend it. Uh, this is a product that would do that. It's like a repeater, right? And so um, what they have here is they four gigabit Ethernet ports built in, and then it has one asymmetric or symmetric Ethernet over VDSL port. It also has a, a BNC or RJ11 port uh, as well. So if you're looking for a product like this, this is IP30 rated, right? So it's DIN rail mountable in the cabinet. It does have an extreme temperature uh, range from minus 40 to 75 C, right? But it's perfect for those situations where you have to extend the LAN, right? And um, they, they use some applications like IP surveillance, um, excuse me, um, point to, to multi-point applications for IP surveillance, IP cameras, and so on. But I could believe this would also work in any industrial application. From there, we go over to our featured product today. Today, we're featuring the... S7 course from theautomationschool.com. This is a buy once, own forever course. We're also going to be teaching this course in person, uh, just waiting on the tables and the computers to come in and the PLCs to come in to the uh, to the new training room, and you'll be able to see this in person. Um, if you buy the online, it's on sale for the online on-demand course. It's on sale for $150. If you come to the uh, in-person course that will be holding, I think March may be a little aggressive uh, for our first course, but it's it's possible then um, the normal price is going to be $500, but uh, the initial classes we're going to do, because there'll be some things we're going to tweak, we're going to uh, be doing for $400 for one day. 
And with that $400 or after it goes up to the full price of $500, you're not only going to get lunch, you're going to get a copy of the online course because we know people who go to in-person courses, everybody's at their own speed, right? Everybody's going at their own pace. And that's why we're going to have eight different PLCs, eight different workstations. We don't want anybody to have to share um, a workstation. We want everybody to go at their own speed and not to worry about finishing the course because if you, whatever you don't finish in person, you will be able to continue to work on online for the rest of your life and ask questions online on the online course for the rest of your life. So that's something we're doing that nobody else does. And um, we're proud to be able to offer our in-person students um, as part of their, as part of this, their enrollment in the in-person courses, a copy of the online course after the course is done so they can keep learning, uh, you know, maybe, you know, they don't have to worry about rushing through and trying to get through all the content in that one day course. But from there we go over to KUKA. And I thought this was very interesting. This article is entitled, Augmented Reality Makes the New Robots Easier to Start Up. And I thought this was interesting because um, you basically download something to your KUKA robot, and then you download an app on your tablet or your phone, and you can see um, visually where the range of the robot will take it. And so you can see ahead of time um, if there's going to be any collisions um, you know, that you didn't know about. So I thought it was very interesting. I'm not going to go into all the technical details, but this picture kind of says it all. And of course, the link will be at automate.news later today. From there, we go over to RF ideas. Now, we talk about biometrics. We talk about key cards, um, you know, um, RFID cards and so on quite a bit because, it, and as this article points out, 81% of all data breaches are caused by poor password management. And so having been doing this for 34 years, you know, I know it's just, it's, it's practical when you're on the plant floor, you end up having to share passwords because there's so much pressure to keep production going. And, you know, a lot of times you don't have a lot of IT people that can manage all the users and passwords, but um, by giving everybody a smart card, right, that's a little bit simpler than having to, uh, you know, expire or have passwords. You assign a card to somebody, you know, they, if they go over to HMI, it knows it's Jack or John or Bob and, uh, or Sue or, whoever, and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, you know, you're logging the right persons there, and they can just put it on their keychain or make it part of their badge. But in any case, I thought this was a good article expa explaining what logical access control is. You know, physical access is, too, a big part of it, right? You don't want to have strangers on your plant floor or in your uh, utility building, you know, just messing around with your controls. But um, I think this is this is good as well because um, it talks about, you know, even if you have to have passwords, you can combine it with biometrics, you know, to ensure that it's the right person there. Um, from there, we go over to what I think is a great article from Banner about different photoelectric sensing models. This is great if you have somebody junior on your staff that's new to PhotoEyes um, or maybe a junior person you're trying to help uh, get into the business. Um, the one thing I would say about this article is they don't use the terms, the common terms. So instead of a through beam, right, they use the word opposed mode, okay? So I grew up, you know, in, uh, knowing this as through beam, right, um, where you have a, a, a sender and a receiver, and anything that breaks the light triggers the uh, receiver to, you know, either turn the output on or turn the output off. Um, and then when we get to retroreflective mode, that was the, that's the name I learned, but, you know, when I uh, first got into this uh, business back into, uh, you know, back in, um, um, you know, 1990, uh, I went to the old photo switch uh, facility for training. 
um, you know, proximity mode, we would typically call calls those diffuse sensors, right? So there's different kinds of proximity modes, but these typically I would call diffuse. But in any case, aside from that, excellent article, great for anybody you have who is, um, you know, new to PhotoWise. From here, we go over to what I have to say is the best OPC UA article I've re reviewed over the last year. Now, this is part of PNF's four-part series. They already did the MQTT, which I thought was good. But this one, I just thought this uh, part two of this series was, I think they knocked it out of the park. This is a fairly long article, and I think they do a great job of explaining OPC UA and, and talking about the features and functions of it. And so if you have anybody who doesn't know what OPC UA is, please send them to PNF's site to read this. I really think they did a phenomenal job on this. I was really impressed. Um, and they, also, they also have a white paper you can download as well. From there, we go over to Anybus, and they talk about OPC UA, excuse me, FX. Now, this is a follow-up to the original article that we did cover on OPC UA FX, and this is kind of like a game changer. I'd love to get an expert on our Tech Tart show to talk about this because this is really, I think, kind of a game changer in communications, really. And I and I, I don't say that lightly, but uh, you know, the FX, right? When we look at the C to C um, finalized phase one of FX, right? The C to C stands for controller to controller, and we're not just talking about PLC to PLC communications using OPC. We're talking about PLCs to DCSs, or DCSs to robots, or motion controllers to PLCs, or CNCs to DC DCSs. I mean, any type of controller can implement OPC UA FX, and then it, it would be able to communicate to any other type of controller. And I think this is kind of like the, I don't want to say holy grail, but kind of like something we've been looking for for a long time. Now, we've seen some companies like Siemens make it very easy to read in uh, Ethan IP uh, tags from a control logics. You don't need a, you know, you just throw an add-on block where trying to do things the other way, you typically have to buy an expensive gateway. So that's, cap you know, a lot of devices have that capability today, but this kind of throws in a standard that if everybody adopts, then, you know, you won't need complicated add-on instructions, which other people wrote to make it work, right? So I think this is very cool. And then they go into the, the um, controller to device and then device to device. If you think about that, that could be, um, that could be uh, you know, a game changer as well as letting devices talk to the other devices. You know, maybe one, somebody's VFD talking to somebody else's IO, right? Very cool. We had a question come in, Frank, uh, over on um, the chat. He's asking if it's universal. Um, anybody who adopts that spec. So right now, uh, OPC is Olay for process control. So it's based on Olay, the original OPC, um, relied on COM and DCOM. And we know uh, Microsoft just depreciated that. So I get a lot of questions, people saying, hey, this old OPC stuff ain't working. Yeah, that's if you're following the news, you know that there are things you need to do to get old, piece, old OPC systems working. And if you watched our interview with Softing or with Rockwell, about their OPC servers, you'll know that what they've done is just kind of eliminate all the common DCOM problems. So having said that, OPC UA, universal access, right? Anybody who supports that, they have to get they get have to get a stamp of approval, right? Just like if you have a Profinet device or an Ethan IP device, you need that stamp of approval to say you meet, you cannot put that logo on your device unless you you pass our tests. And so OPC UA FX will be the same thing. If you want to have that logo and say we officially support this, 
you know, you're going to have to get that stamp, right? You're going to have to go through their testing regimens to make sure you work with anybody's device. So I hope, hopefully that makes sense. Again, these are early, early days, right? So I don't know if you can run out and buy an OPC UA FX because they just finished phase one implementation. So, uh, but in any case, really looking forward to seeing more about this in the future. From there, we go over to a blog from Opto22. It talks about cybersecurity and the role of a client or a server. And so if you're keeping a list of cybersecurity articles, you're trying to stay abreast of this, I thought they did a good job of trying to differentiate the roles of each. And, you know, just talking about, you know, when you have a lot of, you know, in this case, they had three, let's say, servers, and or in this case, maybe four servers. Those are the PLCs on the plant floor, and they had three clients, but that actually equals 12 different connections, right? And so that's where we talk a lot about zero trust, and we talk about, you know, um, you know, just ensuring that we're only allowing the data that needs to go between A and B, right? And so, or A and B and then B and C and then C and D and then D and A, and, you know, you get the idea. So interesting article. And then they, they end the article by talking about how Groove Epic handles this, which I thought was interesting as well. So from there, we go over to Grace. I'm not going to go into this in detail, but this article talks about the seven steps in a lockout tagout procedure. And, um, you know, if you're wondering what those steps are, um, you can see them right here. Okay, so good reading for anybody who's uh, having to come up to speed on lockout tagout, which is most of us these days. Um, then we go over the PLC Next technology, um, and they have an article highlighting their OPC UA solutions. Okay, and now sometimes when you um, when you want to add OPC UA to your device, you'll see this a uh, licensing. Like I know. You can sometimes get some basic functionality, but if you want full functionality, you have to buy a license. I believe that's the case with Siemens. Um, I don't know if V30, you know, yesterday in the automation podcast, I covered how they, Rockwell added OPC UA to uh, the 5580 and the 5380 with version 36, but they didn't say anything about licensing there. So I don't know if they're paying that price or um, offering it for free, but um, we'd love to get them on the show to talk about it. But in any case, uh, this talks about what you get and what type of licenses Required to get it with the PLC Next PLCs from uh, Phoenix Contact. Um, from there, now I haven't uh, talked about uh, this in a while, and I thought this was a good article too. If you have anybody new in your uh, in your uh, department, what does root cause analysis really mean, right? So, in many mission critical applications, right, you would have if something failed, you would send it back to the vendor to get a root cause analysis because you, you know, it's mission critical. You're very concerned that something died. Maybe you suspect it was a faulty component on the circuit board, or you suspect uh, somebody, the uh, foul play or somebody didn't follow procedures in your plant. And so these reports, typically they're kind of kind of expensive to get done, but typically they're very, very detailed. And um, a lot of times you will see that, you know, the product was overheated or chemicals, you know, um, Hydrochloric acid is a common one in chemical plants that, you know, if somebody, <laughs> I remember back in the day, back in the 90s, somebody took a, a pipe that was carrying uh, hydrochloric acid and um, without rinsing it or washing it or decontaminating de uh, it, they just stored it inside the PLC rag. And eventually over a year, everything in the cabinet failed because it was outgassing and just, uh, you know, corroding everything in the cabinet. But in any case, so I thought this was a good, uh, good article from Exeda on, or Exida, on root cause analysis, what it really means. With that, we go over to Oriental Motor, and they have an article about why electric actuators are better than 
pneumatic actuators for packaging machinery. Now, if you're in the packaging industry, you may already know this, but for those of us who don't spend a lot of time in this industry, this was a pretty good article to kind of go over, you know, like, you know, electrical actuator is going to have more precision, more controllability, and be more flexible. Now, pneumatic actuator vendors may disagree with that, but in any case, um, I did want to share this with you. I thought it was interesting. Uh, from there, we go over to DigiKey. We had a couple articles from DigiKey today. The first one is how to adapt solenoid and stepper motor drivers. Let's try that again. How to adapt solenoid and stepper motor drivers for industrial auto applications. And I thought this was interesting because they kind of do dig into some of the fundamentals of steppers and solenoids. So this is great for any junior people out there or people who are just coming into the automation industry. And then it kind of really dives into the electronic side, which may be more than what a lot of, uh, you know, engineers and, uh, and uh, electricians want to get into. But in any case, I thought it was very interesting. Uh, this other article from DigiKey was actually a sponsored article uh, that they uh, paid that have show up on automation.com, the ISA's website. And I thought it was interesting because, um, you know, they're talking about here in this article, the rising role of augmented reality and virtual reality in industrial automation. And uh, I don't see a lot of people with HoloLens or Quest 3s or now the Vision Pro from Apple um, uh, using this. We're going to start using it in our training. We have we built a VR um, machine that's, uh, well, we built the digital twin of our training system that is uh, also, you can uh, use VR with it. I haven't tested the VR side yet. But um, really, I think the AR side, we, you know, we've had, um, I think, IQ Agent and other vendors on to talk about AR. And I think that's probably going to be bigger, faster, because, you know, if you can hold your phone up or your tablet up and look at your process and see all the process values that show up on your screen on top of the, on the system, like if you put it over the motor and you can see the temperature of the motor, the RPMs, the current drawer, you know, how many hours it's been running continuously, how many times it started, started over the last year, that would be really powerful. Just like if you could do that in the store to see, you know, the pricings, the reviews, you know, what's the price in, you know, different places nearby and so on. So, um, but I thought it was interesting that they were writing an article about this, right? And and I, I don't understand, like, the, the financial um, impetus behind it. That's kind of why I pull it up. I'm like, it's an interesting article, but why would DigiKey pay to um, to have this published on ISA. Interesting. Um, in any case, uh, Stahl has a new article, Five Reasons Why We're Excited About Ethernet APL. Uh, so if you're familiar with single-peer Ethernet, Ethernet APL, we've been covering this all year, or more than a year now, um, you know, is that uh, that implementation by uh, industry leaders where that is also intrinsically safe or safe for hazardous locations. So, um, you know, it's just not two-wire Ethernet, but it's that extra piece on it to make sure it can be used everywhere. And um, let me just go over their five reasons why they're excited. Um, well, because they've been, number one, because they've been developing it for many years now. Uh, number two, because it is truly a joint venture. So there is, um, you know, it's a joint venture between the Fieldcom Group, ODVA, OPC Foundation, and the Profibus, Profinet International. So those are some of the biggest, uh, you know, think OPC, right? Think ODVA, that's Ethernet IP, right? Fieldcom, I believe, is Heart or um, Foundation Fieldbus. I can't remember. And then Profinet, Profibus. Um, those are some big boys out there. And having all them working together on the standard is good for industry. Um, 
Number three, because Ethernet APL just simply works, right? And number four, because Ethernet APL is an enabler of digitalization. So I can understand this because you can now get the places with Ethernet that you would be very price price prohibitive in the past. As a matter of fact, a lot of the uh, you know single pair Ethernet uh, design criteria was to to take standard like analog wires and do Ethernet over them, right? So there's only so much you can get through uh, standard uh, you know field wiring, right? But if you can use that same field wiring, maybe legacy field wiring like Modbus or Data Hub Plus and do Ethernet over it. And I'm not saying you can, but that was one of the goals is to take legacy field buses, two-wire field buses, and replace it with single-peer Ethernet. Then, yeah, you're going to be able to get all that inf uh, additional information out of that device, not just whether it's on or off, right, or uh, whatever the limit was based on those old networks. And number five, because Ethernet APL is the basis for new ideas. So very good. Um you know, it, it, they talk about the 4 to 20 I was just mentioning. You know, there's so many things you couldn't do with just a standard 4 to 20 that you can do over Ethernet. So, um, you know, it's opening up new new uh, applications and new uh, products. So very interesting article there. Now, from there we go over to um, an article from Antira about securing the future. Uh, cybersecurity trends uh, for 2024. I thought this was interesting. Um I, this may we, they may have published this somewhere else before because it seems familiar. I did not check, but number one is machine learning powered malware detection, right? So, with um, with uh, you know so many cyber threats out there, if you have some really good algorithms that can detect behavior of malware, that just protects us all, right? Quantum resistant encryption algorithms. So, uh, with the advent of more and more powerful PCs and Many of them claiming to be quantum computers. There's a lot of fear out there and uh, uncertainty that maybe the existing encryption algorithms can be cracked easily, right? And so um, with uh, machine learning, um, you know, and, and uh, algorithms that can adjust on the fly to change situations, um, you can make quantum-resistant algorithms, uh, quantum, you know, computer-resistant algorithms. Uh, number three, spikes in ransomware attacks, right? So... Uh, we talked about that quite a bit on the show. Ramping up IoT, I, yeah, yeah, let me try that again. Ramping up IIoT device security. And number five, zero trust framework adoption. So definitely a big fan of zero trust. And uh, if you guys want to read more, um, definitely check out this article from Antira. And uh, Frank says he uses fireproof Ethernet cable. Um, I think the fireproof Ethernet cable has to do with the jacket, right? So we covered the uh, PVC versus PUR jackets. Um, I think that was, what was that, two weeks ago? So you'll find that up at uh, automate.news. But I think as far as fireproofing, that has to be more with the jacket and the construction of the cable itself and not whether you're using two wires or four wires or eight wires. So that's my thought on that, Frank. Um, so today what we're going to do is we're going to um, feature our S7-1200 guide. So uh, last year, I took our 1,700 articles and videos, and I took the top products we've covered and made guides out of them. So ordered lists of our content to make it easier to, like if you're using an S7-1200, to kind of step through everything we had on that. Now, some of these articles are in both the 1,500 guide and the 1,200 guide, but in any case, you can see them all right here. There's over 40. I think there's 45 in this one, but it includes uh, everything from just getting started to doing a PID 
to uh, function blocks, to writing your first SEL code, and so on. And then we go over to an application story from Anybus about Clinkman. And Clinkman uh, implemented the HMS Network's wireless products. So I thought that was an interesting um, introduction to their products and how it was used in this application. We also had from PTC seven real-world digital thread examples. So they take seven like mini case studies and share with you how they work with customers to implement the digital thread. Now, we had talked about what is a digital thread last, I think it was last week, a week before last. And now this is a follow-on to that, talking about where they're actually being used in facilities. From there, we go over to uh, the digital newsstand. We have a new newsletter for January 2024 from Positol. They typically uh, release this at the very end of the month, just like uh, Automation Direct does. And so this month, they were featuring uh, programmable encoders. They were uh, featuring the Ubito um, sensors, the Wigan sensors by Ubito. And they will also have links to some uh, one-on-one articles on the basics of encoders, which I thought were good. Now, those are not newer articles, so we're not going to be posting them over at the automate.news, but it's still a good resource. I went out and checked them out. Very good resource for people who need to learn what an encoder is. From there, we go over to new events coming, and we have one from Cognex. Um, you know, one of the things Cognex did on their blog is I can no longer sort by date. So, I, you know, I'm seeing blogs from 2020 and 2013. So, unfortunately, if anybody knows anybody at Cognex, please ask them to let us sort their content by newest to oldest so we can see if they're publishing any anything new. Um, you know, it doesn't make sense to go through 10 pages of blogs to try to find something written in 2024. But in any case, they do have on their events page, they make it very easy. And they do have on February 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, EST, they're having a, uh, a webinar about jumpstarting EV manufacturing using automating the, or by automating defect detection and accelerating throughput. So if you're, you don't have to be making an EV, if you're interested in defect detection, right, using like one of the Cognix Vision systems, you may be interested in this event. It's only a uh, half an hour event. It's free. And uh, check that out. There's also a new event coming from uh, Office MDT. This is why the switch to Octoplant from their legacy products is worthwhile. And this is going to be on February 20th at 11 a.m. Eastern time. So if you have a version dog or autosave, you probably want to check this uh, this webinar out. And with that, um, I thought this uh, video, so we're going into videos. Um, just so you know, I didn't, I didn't put a link to it, but I will over at automate.news. We did release um, a new podcast last night. I actually filmed it yesterday. And uh, what I did is I went through the What's New in Logics and What's New in Factory Talk View presentations from Automation Fear something I've been wanting to do for a number of weeks now. And um, while we wait to hear back from uh, Rockwell, um, maybe getting them back on the show. Um, I think we've had them on the show 10 or 12 times um, over the years. But in any case, I wanted to just kind of give the audience an update on what's new with uh, Control Logics, Compact Logics, Studio 5000, and then Factory Talk View, ME and SE. And so that was the podcast from yesterday. You'll find that at theautomationblog.com and everywhere you can get podcasts. Um, well, almost everywhere. <laughs> Not Pandora because something's broken with our connection to them. But in any case, uh, the other video I want to uh, mention here today is from Emerson. And this is about PRV monitoring 
solutions. So pressure release valves, I believe, is what that stands for. And I don't think I'll have to mute it. But I, you know, I thought it was really good. I thought they went through like, why do you want to monitor your pressure release valves? And they really go into, you know, there's a lot of reasons why you want to do that, right? A lot of very good reasons. And so they go through that, talk about that. And I thought it was very interesting. So I wanted to share that with you today. Uh, from there, we go over to literature. Rockwell has a new tech data out on their motor protection circuit breaker and motor circuit protector specifications. This is the 140MP, 140MT, and 140M products. So this is 64 pages, so you're going to find a lot of good information in this document. From there, oh no, let's try it again. We had a great new document for Schneider, but it, it probably got revved while between this morning and right now. So we'll move on. Siemens has a new SciCam SCC HMI manual version 9.14. And then uh, Emerson had a few new documents. They have a uh, infographic about uh, preventing unmanned maintenance by monitoring your 24 volt supply. Okay. So I thought it was very interesting. I love these infographics. And so you can see here, um, they're notating that's available with, available with Ethernet IP for all your Rockwell and I believe Omron and uh, Wago also use uh, Ethernet IP. But in any case, um, you can see it there, the monitoring with uh, Ethernet built in. Uh, they also had a new uh, document out on their Rocklink 800 configuration software, as well as uh, two new data sheets on this one's on their STC surge suppressors, and then the other one's on their S4K2U industrial online UPS. With that, I want to thank our sponsor for today's show, uh, Siemens. Really appreciate them sponsoring the show so we could disable all the ads on it. And uh, also, uh, just remind you that if you want to join our community, you can over at automation.locals.com. You can see, because I'm not in my office, um, you can see that um, I'm not even logged in, but we did break the 1,400 member mark and uh, or follower mark. And, uh, you know, you can follow for free or you can join for just a cup of coffee a month and ask me anything you want to ask me. If I know the answer, I'll definitely share it with you. Um, with that, if you have any suggestions or feedback, please use the feedback link at the automation blog or the talkback link at automate.news. They both go to the same place. You just fill in this form and it sends me an email. Um, we don't put emails on web pages anymore because people scrape them and then spam you, right? So that's why we use these forms. Um, from there, I do want to thank everybody who picked up a copy of our uh, eBooks. We currently have one on control logics and compact logics. These are compilations of all the articles I've written on this topic over the last 10 plus years. Um, we are working on new ones. We're working with a... Uh, um, uh, we have somebody working for us trying to compile those for us. It is a time-consuming process, but they're working on it uh, every uh, every morning. So uh, we're hoping that uh, we'll have some new ones for you by the end of the month or next month. Uh, we also have video collections. I'm, I ran into an issue with the uh, people offering the digital downloads. So these may not be, again, if you buy it today, you'll own it forever. It doesn't matter. But we may stop partnering with them as they, uh, uh, it seems, they're embracing a very, uh, bad and um, unethical business practices with us, not with their not with their people uh, buying the videos, but um, the way they're charging us is um, it just doesn't seem right. So if we can't resolve that with them, uh, we'll give you notice that it'll be a last time buy on these again from the consumer side, from the end user side. There's no problem. It's just on for the people paying for the service to be able to use it. That's where the problem seems to be creeping up. So in any case, um, we do offer all. Um, 
287 of our first uh, episodes, four seasons of the Automation Minute, and one season of the Automation uh, Show on USB for $35. And so if you want a physical copy, you can put the USB in your computer or copy them to your file server if you want to view them everywhere, but you can't um, copy and redistribute it because that would be breaking the law. Um, from there, I just want to remind everybody uh, that every single link we covered today would you'll find up at automate.news later today. I have somebody helping me with this. It seems to be going well. We're going to start uh, spot checking. I think a couple got mislabeled, but in any case, it's a huge help having somebody helping me get these links up and allowing me to do other things, get you guys more content, interview more vendors, and so on. So uh, in any case, automate.news. And with that, that's the end of the show. I want to thank Frank for his comments today. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in. I'm sorry that uh, if the mic was too low, um, I'm going to be checking it right now. Um, again, when you're trying a new mic, you never know what to expect. But I do want to wish you all an awesome day. And, uh, you know, no matter what happens, even if your mic is not working or or they're making noise because they're building an office in your office, near your office, um, just remember, stay courageous, stay fearless, stay optimistic. And until next time, my friends, peace. <laughs>